Good morning. Good morning. Oh, it is a good morning. It's a great morning. Okay, who's messing with the weather, though? That's what I want to know, because September's 100 degrees, and it's like 69 degrees yesterday, 70 degrees this whole week. I'm like, I'm leaving to hot humidity, and you guys are living in 70-something degrees? Jesus, that doesn't seem right. How you guys doing? Are we good? Okay, because I need that participation this morning. Rough night. Some kids decided to pull up to my house last night at 2 in the morning, bumping music, rocking out. My dog's getting all irritated. I just wanted to go love them. So I grabbed my 9 millimeter. No, I'm kidding. I did not. I, I thought about it. though. No. <laughs> I'm so glad it wasn't the old me because I would have went outside. <laughs> I just thought, you know what, Jesus? It's all good. I remember pulling up in front of people's houses, bumping my music, and didn't really give a crap what they thought. And now there's kids doing the same thing. Maybe we need to change how we do stuff. Amen. I said maybe we need to change how we do stuff. So Jesus, you bless them. Awaken them. Awaken us this morning. Lord, I pray you would touch every one of our hearts. Lord, I pray that the spirit of wisdom and revelation would be poured out. Lord, that we wouldn't just walk through another Sunday, but God, your word would come alive. Jesus, that you and your spirit would show every single one of us something. God, one thing at least that we literally need to work on, that you love us so much and other people, that you would show us one thing today that we could walk out of this church and say, you know what, I know I need to do this. So, Lord, I pray you would do that in each one of us today. In Jesus' name, amen? amen? Well, we're continuing in our series. Uh, this is uh, New Life. And today I'm talking about empowered community. Everybody say empowered community. Empowered. Now, traditionally in, in this house, that meant we would have really talked a lot about the gifts of the Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, which is really important. Amen? How many of you guys know you and I need the power of the Holy Spirit? Matter of fact, he's the one that teaches, he's the one that rebukes, he's the one that convicts, he's the one that helps us in all of those things. And so um, this is a modified sermon of what I'll be preaching in Sri Lanka next week. So pray for me because I'm preaching this sermon. It's going to be a little different, but pretty much this sermon um, I've been given the topic at the National Convention to talk about commissioned disciples, and that's what an empowered community is to me. Like if people said, Pastor, so what's the vision of new life and, you know, growing healthy lives? And I, I mean, we could say so many different things, right? Encounter God, live change. Those things are all real. But if I had time to really parse that out with you, and not just a quick phrase, but literally an opportunity to say, like, no, pastor, like, really, what do you guys do at New Life? Like, what's the core stuff about? Number one, I would say, is to educate you. We could put that slide up. Uh, num everybody say educate. educate. 
How many of you guys know you and I need the word of God deeply in us because it is life. It is what like feeds us and changes us. The second thing is to activate. Everybody say activate. What does that really mean, though? It's just another nice buzzword, perhaps. That means you and I learn to do the actual things that Jesus told us to do. We don't just get educated in them. Here's the problem in the high percentage of Christianity as I travel all over is we do really good educating people like the word, the word, the word. OK, got it. And it's OK. So how do you do that? And then people look at you like with this crazy blank stare. What are you talking about? No, like, how do you go do that? How do you go pray for people? How do you bring deliverance? How do you prophesy? How do you heal the sick? How do you do all the stuff Jesus actually told us to do? And most people are like, well, like, that's your job. Like, I know they usually don't say it quite like that, but that's really what they're thinking. It's like, no, that's what you do. I'm like, no, we're backwards. Everybody say, that's what we do. Come on, say, that's what we do. Like, Christianity should be so dang exciting, you guys. It's crazy, right? We don't only get to learn the word. We actually get to do it. We get to be activated. If you don't do the activation part, oh, God, how boring. Just shoot me now. Really. And then the third thing is we really want to send you out. Everybody say send. send. Now, the next line <laughs> would be where we are in these last few years, because I would have never said these words X amount of years ago. We don't want to just send you out as people who've been taught certain things and activated in certain things. We actually want you to be whole, healthy, transparent, loving disciples going into the world. Amen. I.e., when you go home, are you loving your family? Would they say that about you? Would my children go, gosh, dad? You're like the most loving father ever. Why? Because if it doesn't start in our home, bologna sandwich. I don't know if I can say that in Sri Lanka, but. <laughs> Why do I say that? You guys, we've got to get healthy. We've got to work on our stuff. The goal in life is to love well. Everybody say love well. love well. That's the goal. Like you and I will stand before Jesus. I know we don't even hear this a whole lot, and I don't mean it to be heavy and weird. You will stand before God. You guys know scripture, right? This is why it's important to get you educated. Don't you know that you'll all stand before the judgment seat of Christ? Okay, what does that even mean? No, you and I are going to give account. If you're a Christian in here, right, you're going to stand before Jesus. If you're not a Christian, I encourage you to become one because you want to stand before the judgment seat of Christ and not God's white throne judgment. Different education, different time, but critically important, right? But Paul says, don't you know that you'll all stand before that? I think the number one question Jesus is going to ask me, hey, son, did you learn to love well? Did you love well? He's not going to ask me, how was your preaching? How was your prophetic ministry? How are you doing in your giftings and your talents? How, did you, how about that singing? I know you sing at church all the time, son. How was that? That went right over your guys' head completely, right? It's like, how many guys know I never sing? 
never mind. I'm still a little bitter. I need God's healing for that part of the deal. Why do I say that? I believe this. The number one question Jesus is going to ask you is, did you learn to love? Did you learn to love well? And so today, I want to break that down and talking about being empowered because I really, really, really believe this. There is a shifting in the world, in the body of Christ, that the world would actually see Christians completely different than they see them now. I pray that this is the generation, even us mature people. I didn't say old. Some of you guys knock it off. I saw where you went. Stop it. I said mature. Why do I say that? Most of the world, when you talk to them about Christianity, and I, I talk to my neighbors and other people all the time, you know what, you know what I don't hear? You guys are the most loving people ever. I, I mean, I don't know if I believe in that whole Jesus thing, but man, you guys are so loving. Why, why are you so nice all the time? Do you know who they say that about? Mormons. It's amazing. You're so nice. Maybe we should be nice. Come on, everybody, smile. Let's be nice. How many of you guys think Jesus was really nice? I do. Okay, Matthew, all of us know this. Here's the Great Commission, right? Go into all the world. This is what Jesus said. Matthew 28, verse 18. All authority. Everybody say all authority. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go. How many of you guys know the context here is because I have all authority, I give it to you. Now you can go. Therefore, you can go in my authority. Jesus is not sending you out empty handed. He's sending you out with all the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Right. But Jesus, number one priority always has been love. Everybody say love. His number one priority was always love. And so Jesus says, go into all the world, um, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Teaching them to obey what? A few things. How much? Come on, are you serious? My job, your job, is to go make disciples and teach them everything Jesus said? Pastor, I can't even do that. How am I going to ask other people to do that? I can't even do everything Jesus asked. How many of you guys have that problem? Oh, come on. How many of you guys have the problem of not being able to do everything Jesus asked you to do? I mean, gosh, it's hard. Jesus is not saying, Pastor, I want you to be perfect in it. I just want you to go. And Craig, if you would let love become the priority of your life, guess what? You're going to help a lot of people. Especially if you love them enough to go, you know what? I don't have it all together. I don't, I don't really, I'm not the, the deepest spiritual holy person you think I am. I'm just a person who Jesus is loving, and I want to show you what love looks like, because that will draw people. Amen. Do you guys know lovers will outlast workers every single time? Yeah. Right? Why do pastors and people burn out? Because we're trying to do this religious stuff. I'm going to do stuff for God. God's going, no, love me. When you fall in love, everything changes. Amen? Amen. It does. So Jesus tells us... <laughs> To literally, this is called the Great Commission. Everybody say Great Commission. All right, so here's King James Dictionary. Here you go. Ready? Here's, here's the word commission. It's the act of committing. It's doing, performing, perpetrating. The act of committing or sending, the act of entrusting as a charge or duty. 
You and I are all called to go make disciples. Here's where the body of Christ has had it backwards. Most Christians don't think this is what you are called to do. They think apostles or those people or pastors or teachers, not you. We're totally backwards. How many I know Jesus is talking to every single one of us? He's literally talking to every Christian. In this room, you become a Christian, this is your commission. This is the last thing Jesus said before he left word. Every one of you, you get to do this. Most Christians are going, I have to do that? No, it shouldn't be a have to. It should be a get to. And if love is the foundation of your life, get to is easy. Oh, I'm going to say it again. If love is the foundation of your life, get to is easy. If works and other stuff is the foundation, I'm not going to make disciples too hard. But if I get to go love people, everything changes. Amen? So there's three quick areas of empowerment. Number one is God's word. 2 Timothy 3, verses 14 to 17. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of. Because you know those from whom you learned it. And how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for what? For what else? Else? And? And? Wow. How many of you guys know the Word of God is pretty good? It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, and righteousness. For what reason? So that the servant of God, everybody say, that's me. The servant of God, say, that's me. Church, we've got to change this. Every one of you should be discipling somebody. I, I know this, for some of you, this is like such a crazy thing. This is not the highlight of Christianity. This is to come together, to encourage, to bless, to like literally live in this corporate thing for a few minutes on a Sunday. We get into small groups, we do other things. You individually should have a whole bunch of people in the last few years you say, I am discipling these people. Now, discipleship for some people isn't, I'm taking them through a Bible study. I've been discipling my neighbor across the street. Yes. Okay, you can pray for him. His name's Michael, right? He's an amazing guy. He runs sound in LA, right? We go golfing, we hang out. He's not born again yet, but he's watching. He's checking all the time. So we go and hang out. Guess what? I've been discipling him for the last three years. Well, you call golf discipleship? How convenient is that? Golf is way harder than you think, by the way. <laughs> okay? So try it yourself. God will teach you a lot about yourself. Why do I say that? Do you know when I hang out with Michael, all of a sudden God comes up. You know why? Because I'm just being nice to him. I'm not trying to convert him and make him see the way I see. We have differences of opinion on a lot of things. But guess what? Every time we go out, I just care about him. Yeah. How you doing, bro? Oh, man, this thing, that thing. Oh, I'm so sorry. My family, my brother, sister, my kid. I, I get it. All right. Guess what? I'll pray for you. Love you. All of a sudden, he'll throw the God number out there. It's like all of a sudden, off the wall. Yeah, you know, hey, God. And I'm like. That's awesome. He said God. <laughs> like in a good context. Never mind. <laughs> Why do I say that? The word of God is so important for your life and my life. It's critical. 
Number two, God's Spirit. Everybody say the Spirit. John 16, 13. But when He, the Spirit of truth, everybody say truth. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. Everybody say all truth. He'll guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. My prayer in this next season is that you and I would allow Holy Spirit to speak all truth to you. I want Holy Spirit to speak all truth to me. You know what I'm learning about Holy Spirit? If we will let him, he will say so many amazing, beautiful things to you, but he'll also say some hard things to you. Hey, Craig, so encouraged. You're doing so. Ah, that's great. Hey, I want you to call this. Pro- All right, let's do that. Hey, Craig, your attitude in that situation. I'm not listening to you right now. I feel like I need to turn the TV on right now. I love Holy Spirit when he edifies me, but I'm not so much in love with the correcting me part all the time. Why do I say that? Because I connect correction to my earthly father and I get very negative connotations whenever there's correction. Am I talking to anybody? That's not who Holy Spirit is, though. Holy Spirit's not mad in his correction. He corrects in love and kindness. Listen carefully about spirit. If you do not get this in you, you will not let the Holy Spirit correct you. You won't. You will hit it to some other thing inside of you that you've experienced with people trying to correct you, and you'll just walk away. You'll just ignore him. I promise you he talks to us all the time. He does. And here's the good news. When he shows you one of those things, he's doing it to actually bring healing and health to you. God, is so excited. You guys are like amening me and clapping. This is so good. Thank you. Really? Okay, pray for me. Did I tell you this is my sermon going to Sri Lanka? Okay, now I'm not even trying to be funny, but you want to talk to the Asian culture? Doug knows. I'm going to also throw in, by the way, you're not getting this version of it. I'm also throwing in emotional health, sexual health, and mental health. Yes, it's going to be great. Thank you, Mary. It's going to be great. Please pray for me. And then after that, I go spend three days with the national board to walk through sessions on all of these topics. Pray Holy Spirit moves, because I'm going to get a lot of this. Yeah, I just want to talk about sexual health. I want to talk about Holy Spirit. Yeah, hey, woo. I want to talk about Holy Spirit in your sexual life. Church, we need to invite Holy Spirit into every part of our life, for real. And the last thing uh, I want to talk about is outrageous love. Everybody say outrageous love. Jesus is crazy outrageous. You guys, no, no one ever showed up and did what Jesus did. Why? Nobody was God. Hmm. Do you know when people talk about Jesus, even the culture, very rarely do they think the embodiment of love. Most people, if you have conversations, they're not going, oh, my gosh. He loves so well, right? Why? Because we, this is, this is Holy Spirit speaking to you and me. We have been the examples of the embodiment of love to the culture. 
Thank you, Pastor. I'm going somewhere else now. I think this service down the street starts in 20 minutes. I'm leaving. Listen, church, you and I better get this one right. We got to quit doing this Sunday. Go to church. We're holy people in the whole world, and we're angry. We better get the love of Jesus flowing that'll change the culture because we're so kind. Do you know more miracles will happen when we love well? Somebody said, how come more miracles aren't happening here? Because we're angry and we're bitter. And Jesus said, before you come here on Sunday and do this little offering thing that you do, go deal with the stuff with your brother or whatever before you come here. Well, but pastor, you don't understand. You don't know my brother. (laughs) You don't know my brother. I love you, Jeff. Jesus wants us to shift. Do you hear me? Look, Sermon on the Mount lifestyle, I pray you'll go study Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I pray you'll stay in it. Galatians 5, 1 Corinthians 13. Just stay in all of those until love comes out of you so much, until you live it to where, I, I don't even know what happened, Pastor, but I used to be so mad. I'm so bitter. I'm so angry. Things frustrate me. The culture wars were in. The politic wars were in. Everything around me, I just, ah! Awesome. That's like Jesus talking right there. That's awesome. No. How about this? I love so well that people at work notice that things are changing. People at work, I actually walked up to and I had to tell one guy I was so sorry. He didn't even know I was so mad at him, but the Holy Spirit told me to go tell him. I ain't telling him. I got something to tell him, Pastor, but it ain't. I'm sorry. Boy, it's getting quiet in this service. Turn to Luke chapter 6. We'll get to the easy stuff. Amen. Nobody amen that at all. You guys knew I was lying, huh? I'm sorry. I repent. I was totally lying. Here's here's an expanded version of Matthew 5. Jesus in Luke chapter 6. Everybody say, love your enemies. Jesus turns the world upside down, you guys. He really did. The religious people didn't know how to figure him out. He went into these six different statements. You have heard it said. You guys remember that? You have heard it said, don't murder. And all the religious people, yeah, that's right, don't murder. But Jesus then twists it and he goes, I tell you, if you're angry in your heart towards your brother, then sin's already in you. You've heard it said, don't commit adultery. That's right. But I tell you, if you're lusting in your heart, then you've already got sin. And he nails six of them. And the last one is this one. Love your enemies. Can I lovingly say this to you guys? The church has not done this very well. We have not. We've not loved each other very well. And Jesus is asking us, would we literally examine our hearts? Would we start shifting? Would you work hard? Would you go to counseling? Would you have accountability? Will you do whatever it takes to become the most loving, radical person ever? Will you? Okay. Luke 6, 27. But you who are listening. (laughs) I didn't write that, by the way. I would have thrown that one. But you who are listening. Is anybody listening? Yes. Yes, thank you, Jesus. But you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. 
If someone slaps you on the cheek, <laughs> turn to them the other also. Wow. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks. And if anyone takes that, what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Verse 32. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. Verse 35, but love your enemies. Everybody say, but love your enemies. Do you notice that Jesus had to repeat, love your enemies? Did you notice that? He doesn't repeat the other things in the scriptures when he talks about adultery and oaths and divorce. But interestingly, when he gets to loving your enemies, he actually repeats it a second time. Why? Because he knows this will be the hardest one. This is not how the culture works, pastor. Do you guys know in the Jewish culture, once you got offended three different times, three times of forgiveness and you could be done with people. You were you were done. Like literally, according to cultural guidelines, three times you could be offended, you're done. And Jesus shows up and goes, love your enemies. Pray for those. Bless those. Be kind to those. I actually want you to love everybody. You guys, this is Jesus' very first sermon. You guys think I hate you hard? This is his first sermon ever. This is the group of people he's asking to follow him. He goes, hey, I'm going to give you the easy stuff. Let's start with the easy stuff. By the way, you guys think completely different about God's heart. You have heard it said, but let me tell you how it really is. And by the way, the Gentiles over there, all those non-Jewish people, I love them. I'm going to die for them. I'm calling you to love them too. Would you allow love to shift everything about your life? Wow. Help us, Jesus. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great. Everybody say your reward will be great. How many of you guys know we love a reward? Come on. How many of you guys know we love the reward? We preach that. We want the reward. Do this. God wants to reward you. He says, great. What is the context of the reward will be great? Verse 35, everybody say it again. Everybody say, love your enemies. Everybody wants a great reward. I want a great reward. And this is where Jesus starts in his very first sermon. If you want the reward of the kingdom, then love your enemies. Matter of fact, if you do this well, I'll press it down. I'll shake it together and I will overflow it. How many of you guys have heard that? Do you guys know where it is? Look it. It's verse 38. Given it'll be given to you, a good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. You will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use it, it will be measured to you. Now, how many of you guys have heard that about giving money? Come on, tell the truth. How many of you guys know most of that is what I've heard my whole Christian life? Hey, brothers and sisters, we need money for the food bank. We need to increase. We need to do all this stuff. So here's what the Lord says. Give and it'll be given to you, pressed down, shaken together and overflowing. Woo! God wants to fill your bank account. 
Nobody said yay to that one? Wow. I need the sun to come back, man. That cloudy weather's got to... Why do I say that? Listen carefully. The context of Jesus saying, I want to literally overflow your life. Please catch it. I want to press down. I want to shake things up. I want to overflow to you is in the context of loving your enemies. Jesus, you are crazy. No religious figure comes and says to do that. You're, you're like outside. Why? Jesus is love. Nobody else ever showed up who was the embodiment of love, but Jesus really is. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come back up. Verse 37. Oh, I'm sorry. Back to verse uh, 35 as we continue. Love your enemies. Be good to them. Lend without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the most high. When will you be children of the most high? Come on. When will you and I be children of the most high? According to this context, right? So if I'm not loving my enemies, am I a child of the most high? Oh, that one's hard because identity class. Come on, Damien. Identity teaches me that I am. No, no, no. I am a child of God. But wait, he says that you will be if you. Well, wait a minute. I've been in that identity class at least six times, bro. I know my identity. I've been in healing class that many times. Then why is this so hard for me? I've been getting educated in those classes. I've been getting activated in the Holy Spirit. But all of a sudden, you just said, God, to be your son... I have to love my enemies. But I don't really want to even talk about loving my enemies because that's not very, like, spiritual. And I want everyone to think how spiritual I am. So I'm not going to say how hard it is for me. I'm not going to say that for decades I didn't really pray for my brother the way you said. I didn't really bless him and pray for him. I prayed for him. Why am I saying it? The world needs you and I to get whole and healthy. For real. We need to love people well, right? That's what Jesus said. Well, I know I want to be, this is what it says. Watch, this is crazy to me. Everybody say first sermon. Come on, this is his first one. Talk about getting smacked. I mean, I'm sitting there going, hey, this guy's got some really good things to say until he got to this part. You've heard it said, oh, well, let me change it. You've heard it said, I'm telling you love your enemy. Uh, Jesus, those are the people that have been killing our ancestors forever. I know I want you to love them. Are you joking? I don't even love the person that talks smack about me. I want to kill them. Oh, not you. I'm sorry. Holy people, you're good. Watch this. Then your reward will be great and you will be children of the Most High. Underline this or circle this in your Bible. Because he is kind to who? He is kind to who? And the, he is kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. Wow. Here's the problem. You and I don't think we are the ungrateful. But I promise you, every one of us is ungrateful about certain things. 
I'm mad at God about certain things. They didn't go the way I wanted. Things didn't happen the way. He is literally kind to the ungrateful and the wicked. He's talking to you and me and everybody else in the world because all of us have that problem. Love your enemies. Why? Because God loves them. Like, not generic, be a Christian loving person. No, God actually loves them. And Jesus spent the next three years of his life walking the streets and loving people that are called unlovable. And I'm telling you, that's what this church and every church should be doing. We should be out in our communities loving everybody. But I don't like those people, Pastor, because they got to struggle with this. And what about that? And what about the political people? You want me to love the political people that think differently than me? And what about the homosexual community, LGBTQ? And what about these things? What about those things? What about all of that? Love them. Love them. What about your kids that aren't being loving to you right now? What about your children that aren't being super kind to you or have hurt you and ripped you off and stole from you and you're so mad? What about them? I'm going to teach them a lesson, Pastor. I get it. I truly get it. Here's the lesson I hope that our kids, that my kids will get. My dad loves me so much that he's willing to go to counseling. My dad loves me so much that he's willing to repent and he's willing to come and look me in the eyeballs and tell me how sorry he is, not just once, but as many times as the Holy Spirit tells me to. However many times, God, that takes, that's what I want to do because I want my kids to get healed in the areas that they're hurting because I helped create some of it. Just saying. Let's all stand together. I want us to sing and press into Jesus. And as we do, my prayer is that Holy Spirit will speak to you and I. First Corinthians 13. The Corinthian church was spiritual, man. They were recognized for being spiritual. They really were, but they were a mess. They were messed up. And Paul writes to them and he says, listen, I, I, I know and I hear the reports of your spirituality and, and I'm thankful for that. I'm thankful that you hunger and I'm thankful for that. Now I need to bring some correction because there's a lot of corrective things that need to happen in your church because you're a little out of balance on these spiritual gifts and this other stuff. But he says, let me, let me tell you what the most important thing is. And it's not that you and I prophesy, though I think it's really important that you learn how to prophesy. Paul makes it perfectly clear. Right in the middle of bringing correction on giftings and talents, he makes sure that everybody understood that you cannot read and study the context without going, wow, wow. Without love, it means nothing. Chapter 12, laying out gifts of the Spirit. Nine different gifts mentioned in that context, plus you have natural gifts and other gifts. Paul would say, look, those are amazing. Chapter 14, he brings some corrective things of how you should do in service, what you should do and you shouldn't do. But chapter 13, right smack dab in the middle, he says, listen, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, it means nothing. 
Though I can prophesy to all people, but I don't have love, it means nothing. If you give everything you have away to take care of people, but you don't have love, Paul says it absolutely means nothing. And I spent decades as a Christian so worried about people's concern of how spiritual I am and how they view me. And it's like, I didn't care if you viewed me as loving. I just wanted you to view me as prophetic. My goal in life has so flipped. I don't really care if you think I'm prophetic. I don't care if you think ABC spiritual. Well, pastor, you really, really are working at loving. You're really serious about it. You're dealing with your own crap. You're willing to work on it. You're willing to say it in front of people. You're willing to actually talk about it. You're right, I am. You know why? Because scripture is perfectly clear. Like, literally, I'm going to stand before Jesus. And he's going to say, son, did you learn to love well? Did you learn? I, I don't really care. I just want to do these things. In his heart is no, son. The reason you struggle so much is you're not letting me love you the way I want to love you. The reason you still are struggling so much, son, is you still are hanging on to things and you just won't let me just love you. You still don't feel good enough. You still don't feel worthy enough. You still keep trying to do things in your flesh instead of letting me love on you. And the more I let him try to love on me, the war is real on the inside of me. It is real. Because here's the biggest enemy I need to forgive, church. The biggest one by far. I'm learning how to forgive people. And it's hard. It's hard to forgive people. It just is. It's hard. I don't know why this is the hardest one, but I just have the hardest time forgiving myself. I saw a picture in first service as we talked about this. And a bunch of us had whips. as almost like we were Catholic old school just beating ourselves. And I was one. And Jesus is going, son, when will you stop? You preach my mercy. Be merciful, for I am merciful. You preach it. Can you please receive it? Can you stop beating yourself up? Can you please do whatever it takes to get my love? Because what's coming, we're going to need it, you guys. I'm telling you. I've said it before. No apologies. Stuff's going to hit the fan. It's coming. I don't mean it to be scary. I'm just saying stuff is coming. And you and I need to be the most loving, kind people. So as we sing this song, will we allow Holy Spirit to speak to us right now? Would you please, for real? God's going to show you something. And he wants you to act on it. And I'm going to say it now, and I'll probably say it again. This is not enough for you to hear it here, get in your car and go, okay, I had that thought. You actually need to follow it and chase it and do it really amen let's worship together